all this week. Our offices have been flooded with angels. I believe they're here for many reasons, but one of the major reasons is for my guest. His name, Earthquake Kelly. And I have the privilege of interviewing him for his brand new book, uh, and it's called Bound to Lose, Destined to Win. I'm speaking to him at his home in Hollywood, California. And uh, let me tell you a little bit about Earthquake, because this will not be an average two weeks. Yes, two weeks. This will not be a good two weeks. This will be a kingdom-counting, life-changing experience for you. You see, his great-grandfather was an Irishman, and uh, he was in Haiti, uh, and uh, he uh, had African slaves, uh, and he uh, had a baby with one of these slaves. But these Africans that came... They were steeped in voodoo worship, and horrible things happened to Earthquake Kelly's great-grandfather. Uh, understand, uh, uh, Earthquake, that uh, literally because of the voodoo, his crops would burn and his wife died. Is that true? That's right. And, and uh, so anyway, uh, they moved to the United States. An earthquake. You were born from a. Uh, your father was a, a voodoo uh, priest. I mean, a uh, very high level, uh, and your mother a born again Christian. What a combination! <laughs> My goodness. <laughs> <laughs> it it was something. My mother tells me the story um, before I was born that uh, she was living in Vallejo, California. And uh, she was going to school, the nursing school, and she was a, a member of a church. And my father would come to the church and uh, uh, see her and uh, how pretty she was. My mom was very pretty, still very gorgeous lady. Now she's 81 years old now, so it still looks good. And um, Listen, if I had a mother like you had, and I had a wonderful Jewish mother, your mother is the hero of all heroes, as I read your book. She's got to be your hero. Oh, that's my, I love my mom. She, I'm telling you the things that she did and prayed for me. And, I mean, she, she did some things that uh, 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 if, if I didn't see it with my own eyes, it, it would be like, no, 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 no. Nobody would go through that kind of uh, torment. And uh, For starters, why in the world did your father beat your mother to try to kill you when you were in her womb? Well... My mom, she waited till I got older. She said, I want to tell you something, son. I've been waiting till you all grown before I, I tell you. I said, uh-oh, I'm adopted, right? <laughs> oh. <laughs> she said, no, that's not it. So I started looking at myself in the mirror, looking at pictures of my other brothers and sisters. And so I said, well, we do all look alike, so maybe that's not it. She said, no, that's not it. She said, your dad, he didn't want you. He didn't want any more children. So he said that you have to be aborted. And I, my mom said, no, I told him, I'm not getting rid of my, my baby. He said, yes, you are. And he commenced to beating her, trying to beat me to death inside of her womb. And she told about the kicking and, and, and beating her and dragging her through the house and throwing her in a car. And he took her to a back alley abortion clinic. 
and they worked on her, and they worked on her. She said they worked on her. She screamed and yelled and cried and tried to get them to stop, and my father was there, and they put her legs up in the stirrup, and they shot everything they could to to destroy me. And my mom says she felt another hand, hallelujah, inside of her, like it was a hand of God protecting me. And they worked on her and worked on her. She said the doctors did everything they could do to destroy me, and they told my dad, we can't find her. We pulled everything out of her that we can pull out. We cannot find the baby. And so my dad said, well, forget about it. I guess let him, let him, let him live. And he snatched her off of the table, put her back in the car, and took her home. And later on, I was born. And uh, some witches told him uh, he, sh- he should not kill you because uh, you were the seventh child. Right, seventh child. And it was at this time we were living in Connecticut, and these uh, witches were coming out of the Bronx and Brooklyn, what have you. And they told my dad, they said, you shouldn't have tried to destroy him because he's supposed to be raised up to be sent down to Haiti. And we're going to train him to send him down to work with and under Papa Doc Duvalier. He was the president at that time. And so my dad allowed the witch to come into the house to personally train me. And I'm telling you, Sid, ooh, boy, it was something. It was something that... Listen, there's another side to this, too, Earthquake. I don't know how you survived the beatings that your father put you through. Tell, Tell me how bad that was. Well, I didn't get beat with the belt. The leather part, I got beat with the buckle. Hmm. And uh, one time in particular, I was, he was beating me, and he hit me in my head. He hit me so hard in the head, I felt my skull crack, and I came out of my body and was hovering over top of him as he was beating me. And I, and I didn't feel any pain. I didn't feel anything. I said, wow, I'm out of my body, really looking down, watching it like a spectator. And then... Then in like five minutes or so, I came back down inside of myself. Then I can feel the the beat, the the, the hits to my head and to my body, and and uh, I had I had so many welts and I was bleeding all over, and it was just like a constant everyday thing. And uh, I had to learn uh, voodoo witchcraft. I had to learn it. Sometimes I had to stay up all night. I remember for eleven eleven years, I had two hours of sleep, said every night. My my goodness, but you know I'm going to take you back when you were just a young child, and a and a presence came in your room, and a voice, and told you how, step by step how to get high by burning a plastic gun. Is that true? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Everything. See, my brothers were at that time. My brothers were big drug dealers, and I was four years old, and I used to watch them and other people around it projects shoot heroin and snort cocaine and things like that there. So I wanted to do it, too. You know, I said, well, hey, my brother's doing it, my bigger brother's. I wanted to do it, too. But they said, no, you can't do this. You can't have any of these drugs. You're too, too young. And so I would get mad and, and walk away mad. And then the one particular day, I remember I went in the room by myself. I was mad because I watched the guy shoot heroin, wrap the arm up and get the vein to pop up and shoot the heroin. And they had a look on their face, said like they were enjoying it so much. I said, wow, looked like they were going into another realm somewhere, another world, which they probably were. But um, I heard this voice says, oh, you don't have to feel bad. You don't have to feel bad. I'll show you how to get high with your own stuff. And he did. He gave me the instructions on what to do, where to go. 
and I followed everything that, that that voice told me, and I found myself using everything in the household I could to huff. And uh, At age four? Yeah, four years old. I pulled the chair up to the stove, and he showed me what to do. The spirit stood over me, and he literally walked me through it. And I was getting high at four years old. And your grandmother was something. I mean, she used to curse people, and they would die? Right, uh-huh. I watched, I watched her do it. One particular time, there was an argument going on, and I could hear these two people arguing outside the building. And I said, well, what's going on out there? Because always in the projects, you would get all kinds of fights and, and stabbings and things like that. So I, I was coming to see what was going on, and it happened to be my, my grandmother who was having an argument with this guy. I'd never seen this guy before. But my grandmother was holding her own with him. I mean, she was small, but she was handling him real good. And then she did her fingers in a certain way, and, and she pronounced a curse on him, and he fell over backwards. She never touched him. She fell over backwards. And then I said, wow, wow, what power. Then I said those same words. I repeated those same words she said. She didn't even know I was there. I was standing around the corner. And when I said those words, I felt something enter into my body. It felt like a storm was going on inside of me. It literally caused me to scream and yell. And I was trying to push it out of my body. I was trying to put my hand down my throat to to throw it up, and it wouldn't. And and I said, oh, my God, what did I do? What did I do? I ran in the house, and I told everybody what was going on. Of course, nobody knew what I was talking about. And that night, as I laid on the, on the floor, I was laying down on the floor. Actually, didn't, didn't lay in the bed this time. Because it was so overwhelming. I laid on the floor. And uh, this big giant thing was standing over top of me. And that's what started me really going deeper into witchcraft and voodoo. I'll tell you what, uh, hold that thought. We'll pick up here on tomorrow's broadcast. Mishpocha, I am so excited about his brand new book. Its title is Bound to Lose, Destined to Win. He's now on our side. But because of his knowledge of the dark side, he has a section in this book on deliverance like you've never seen. It's so explicit. You have a problem in your life. He'll tell you the exact name of the spirit that is behind it. And the and this book talks about the power of God. He would not be alive today if it wasn't for the power of God, the greater power of God over the demonic, over the devil. And you will just, when you read this, your faith is going to soar. When you hear his whole testimony, his visitation to heaven, uh, his visitation to hell, uh, it, 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 this is a must book. My guest from Hollywood, California, is Earthquake Kelly. Earthquake, how in the world did you get a name like Earthquake? Well, I was a, I was a fighter in the 84 Olympics. I um, in the competition at the elimination bouts, and uh, there was a guy there I was fighting, and see, he was sort of getting the best of me. <laughs> I mean, he was, he was he had a pretty good punch. And so I prayed, and I closed my eyes, and I threw a jab out there, and I locked it, and I came behind it with all my weight. And I had my eyes closed, and I opened my eyes. The guy was out, and the the uh, sports announcer he said, "Man, that guy hits like an earthquake." And people started calling me that ever since. But prior to that, when I was three years old, Sid, I had this dream, and in this dream, I was standing in our front room, living room there, in the and the projects there in Connecticut, 
not too far from Manhattan. We lived on the border, like between Connecticut, New York, and I was in the, looking out the window and I saw the ground shaking, and the buildings falling over and the ground opening up. And a voice said, "Because of you, the ground is shaking. Because of you, the ground is broken." I woke up so afraid as a little child. Oh my God! Oh my God! And the next, the very next night, I had the same dream. And the voice said, a very deep male voice said, because of you, the ground is shaking. Because of you, the ground is broken. And I believe that God himself called me earthquake long before hmm. I became a heavyweight fighter. Uh, listen, earthquake, your book, which is literally just off the press, I am so excited about because you will cause an earthquake in the spirit realm. Uh, the scriptures say, my people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge. And because of your knowledge, you, you see the, those that are tuning in for the first time, uh, Earthquake Kelly's great-grandfather was an Irishman by the name of Kelly, and he imported some slaves from Africa that were very deep into voodoo and uh, had a baby with one of the slaves, uh, but uh, this then passed on generation to generation, and Earthquake Kelly's father was a voodoo priest. And as a matter of fact, on yesterday's broadcast, and I don't want to get away from this, they were grooming to take you back to Haiti uh, to to work with uh, someone that uh, many, many are familiar with. His name was Papa Doc Duvalier from the head of Haiti, and he was a very cruel man. Uh, and uh, were you excited to go? Did you want to go to Haiti as a young kid? Yes. When the witches came in and... Stayed in the house with me. My dad put one particular witch in the room with me and groomed me. I mean, you talk about Harry Potter. Oh, man, Harry Potter got nothing on, on me when it comes down to what that witch was doing. And the witch said that um, you're going down to Port-au-Prince, and we're going to place you under Papa Doc Duvalier, and you're going to learn everything right along with the president. Of course, I, as a child, I didn't know anything about Papa Doc or, or, or Baby Doc or any Doc, you know. But... It sounds exciting to me because when the witch said, do you know that you are Haitian? You are 100% Haitian, and it's been passed down to you, and you're number seven. And, of course, as a child, I didn't understand any of that. But you, you were the seventh child in, that, in witchcraft, and, and actually, which uh, is a counterfeit of some of the real stuff. Seven is important in uh, God's kingdom, yes. but it's also important in the demonic kingdom. Yes, and they copy... When I found out about voodoo, they copy everything God has, and they pervert it. Everything. everything. Now, listen to this. His father, deep into voodoo witchcraft, and he actually has a witch move into the house who's mentoring earthquake to become a voodoo priest and go back to Haiti. And at the time that he's about ready to go, his mother, who happens to be a born-again Christian, uh, has her pastor talk to you, and what does he say? He says, you will not go. Well, I went to church, happened to go to church one day. I happened to go there with my mom, and uh, I saw the, my mother's pastor, and I talked to him, and uh, I said, oh, you know, I'm going to Haiti to be a, a voodoo priest. I thought it was a good thing. And he said, oh, no, you're not. Oh, no, you're not going there to be no voodoo priest. 
you're going to be a preacher of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And he grabbed me, and he started praying for me. <laughs> and I was like, I guess a child said, what's all the excitement? You know, and, and I'm glad he did. And between him and my mother, they came against that because I was, I was on my way. They had packed a bag for me. My father and the witch had packed a bag in secret. They said, don't say anything to anybody because we're going to put you on a boat in Manhattan, and you're going to sail all the way down past the Carolinas and past Florida on into Haiti. And there's a, there's a group of people that's waiting down there for you to finish grooming you. So I, I was so excited. Said I said, "Wow, wow! I'm going to my, to my country." You know, she, the witch, had told me about Haiti and how beautiful it was, and how much power I was going to be given to be under the the president of the comfort of the country. And it was exciting to me. But the the pastor, he said, "No, mm-mm, not going to happen." And did it ever happen? No. What happened this particular day? When they was deciding, my father and the witch was deciding to sneak me out the back door, I didn't even see my mother in the house anywhere, Sid. I don't know how my mother found out about it. I don't know because I didn't say anything because my father had swore me to secrecy to not to say anything. So did the witch. And we were almost within five feet of the back door. My father had his car ready to go. And I remember a little brown suitcase that they had my stuff packed in. My mother comes out of nowhere. I mean out of nowhere. And she says, where are you taking my baby? And the witch said to her mother, something I'll never forget. She said, this is no longer your your baby. This is my son. And my mother said, what? Oh, no. And she grabbed me by the arm, and the witch had already had me by the arm, and they had a tug-of-war going back and forth, back and forth over me in the living room floor there. And my father, he said, oh, no, you don't. He smacked my mother and knocked her down to the ground, to the floor. And my mother's mouth started bleeding, and I said, oh, my God. He just smacked my mother over this. He, he was beating her quite a bit anyway. And my mother was on the floor screaming, don't take my baby, don't take my baby. And they had me going towards the back door, and my mother was trying to get up off of the floor. And all of a sudden, they let me go. And they, too, left, it, left out the house like they saw something, scared them or something. They left in such a huff and left me there. I said, where are you going? Where are you, why are you leaving me? I want to go to 80. They left out like they saw uh, uh, something scared them, and they never did get me to Haiti, never did. Now, speaking about that something that scared them, tell me about the time. See, his grandmother was so high up in this type of uh, uh, voodoo uh, that she would pronounce words and people would die. And uh, uh, as a kid, Earthquake even copied her, and the same thing happened. Uh, but what happened when they wanted to cast a spell on a born-again Christian? Oh, yeah, well, I tried it myself one time. There was this couple of guys, the Davis brothers, and we used to be friends. And they went to, and they got saved out as this revival came into town. They went and got saved as tent revival. And... Uh, I said, no, you, you can't leave. You have to stay out here in the streets with us. And so I got offended by them getting saved. So I said, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pronounce, I'll put a spell on you to destroy you. So I sent a little spirit after them. I said, go there and destroy them. And that spirit went and it came back to me. And he said, I can't do it. And I said, go do what I told you. And the spirit went, the evil spirit went back to them again. And he came back again with a scared look on his face. Then what I did, I went into what's called astral projection. 
actually went into the spiritual realm myself because I could do it at that time. Thank God for the blood of Jesus. Mm. <laughs> and I could do it. And I went, and when I went there to see why the spirit didn't obey what I told it to do, I saw the Davis brothers. They were walking around praising God, and I saw these seven-foot-tall angels around them walking around with swords in their hand. And I said, oh, my God, their side is stronger. That's why that spirit came back. I saw these big angels with wings walking around these two brothers, walking around them. I said, oh, my, wow. What I have is, is nothing compared to what they have. And, and that's what happened. And, and for those that have even a twinge of fear, if you only knew what it means to appropriate the name of Jesus, what it means for the blood of Jesus. What happens in the spirit realm earthquake when someone understands the blood of Jesus and speaks it on their mouth if they're born again? All the angels of God, like those same Davis brothers, they become activated. They will start to move on behalf of that person with power. They will take the authority. They will move in like an army. They will surround you. They will fight for you. They will protect you. They would even go, like it says in Zechariah 2 and 2, where the angels would even run. In that book of the Bible, they would even run in front of you, way in front of you to protect you before you even get to the next area. Uh, Earthquake, why did you write your brand new book, which is literally right off the press? Uh, it's, it's called Bound to Lose, Destined to Win. Why did you write this? I wrote it because I wanted the first one to, to praise God for bringing me to, to so much. And I know through my testimony that there's someone out there that may be going through, that may be having a hard time in life, that they get closer to God, someone that's not saved or deeply involved in some things that would, that would take them to the pits of hell. And God really told me to write this. It's been a long time coming. This book has been in the works since 1985. That's why I was waiting to hear you say, I know that God told you. I mean, he had a visitation to heaven, and you were given instructions for the last days. You were even told what was going to happen on planet Earth. Um, you knew about New Orleans. Tell us what you knew. Well, I had a, I had a brain aneurysm. And I was in the hospital in 2004, and while I was there, I actually, in the intensive care, I passed away, and I went into, into paradise. Oh, I'm sorry. Hold that thought. We'll, we'll cover it sometime. We want everyone, everywhere, to be red hot for the Messiah. You've got to be red hot for the Messiah when you've gone to heaven and had the experience that my guest has had. His name, Earthquake Kelly, he got that because he was a boxer, and uh, you would bump into an earthquake if he was to hit you. But he also got that name from a dream that he had when he was a young child, and he was told the ground was going to split under him. There would be an earthquake, but it's an earthquake of God's power. Uh, now, on yesterday's broadcast, and I don't want to go into it in detail, uh, earthquake, but uh, you literally died and went to heaven mm -hmm. and you were told many things. I want to focus just on Hurricane Katrina in New Orleans. Tell me what you were told and when it was in in comparison to when the hurricane hit. Right. It was 2004. I was in intensive care and while there I went into paradise and God gave me some warnings of some things that were going to, that were going to happen. And he showed me, 
he showed me New Orleans, and he showed me bodies floating in water. And he said over a thousand people would die. And he said, I want you to, to, to warn warn my people of, of, of what's coming. And when uh, Katrina hit, what did you think? I said, oh, my God, you warned me that this was going to happen. And when I saw it on the news, Sid, I said, oh, God. Oh, God said it was going to happen. He exactly said it was going to happen. And he showed you some other things that haven't happened yet, but we'll talk about that a little later on. Uh, for those that are just tuning in, uh, Earthquake Kelly's great grandfather was an Irishman by the name of Kelly, and uh, he uh, had a baby with one of his slaves in Haiti. And the generations and these African slaves that came to Haiti were steeped in voodoo witchcraft, uh, and it just passed on from generation to generation, uh, and especially strong in Earthquake Kelly's father and, uh, and his grandmother. Uh, and he would see his grandmother uh, just uh, say certain statements and put curses on people, and, and they would die. In fact, you got to the point where you would see a yellow light over a friend and know they would die. Explain that. Right. It was just like this yellowish haze I would see on the person's face just within 24 hours before they died. And and it wasn't something that I put on them. It was just I, I could tell when that when death was about to take a person out, I was so heavily involved in, in voodoo that it would seem like death and I was working hand in hand, and he would announce to me the person that he was getting ready to take, and each one would die. How, how many, would you say? Uh, about seven of my friends I saw. Them, uh, within 24 hours, they were going when that yellow-looking um, little light kind of thing would come over their face. And they would come up there and they would say, even some of them would say goodbye. And the next day they would find them dead somewhere, overdosed or shot or committed suicide. Now, when you were 13, you were really living a, uh, a violent life. It's hard to believe, but you, were, you had a gun and you were uh, uh, protecting prostitutes and uh, getting money. And uh, uh, you should have died a million times in that environment. Yeah, did that. See it. That was oh gosh, having to. Well, first it was a lot of prostitutes were getting killed by this guy. Was cutting them up and putting them on on the, the side of the freeway in, in big plastic bags. And so the pimps hired me and uh, to protect the prostitutes. And I'd have to go with them to each one of their dates. And that was almost running me crazy, said because I here I was 13 years old. I would sit on the dresser of wherever the hotel room was. I sat there with the dresser with my pistol with the 38 and sit there at 13 years old and have to see the whole thing take place and make sure the guy would pay and had to take the money and take it back to the pimp. That was my job. And literally have to, one particular girl, like five dates, and I sat there and it seemed like my head was about to explode because I'm like, my God, what am I doing in this situation? Until even one day, one guy didn't want to pay, and I had to shoot this guy because he didn't want to pay. And so I had to call another another enforcer bigger than me because I just, just didn't want to shoot anybody. And the other guy took care of him. And I said to myself, I'm getting out of this business. Uh, but then your mother takes you to church. But this was a very special time. 
Uh, you're, you're still 13. Tell me what happened. I went to church. I was, I was so tired. I was, I was running numbers for my dad, if you know by numbers, off-track betting. Well, believe it or not, uh, it wasn't confined to you. My, my mother was a bookie, so I know all about it. But go ahead. <laughs> okay. <laughs> wow. Okay. We had the Jewish side covered, okay. but go ahead. <laughs> we had the black side. You had the okay. <laughs> so I was doing that and running the numbers. I was uh, dealing with the cocaine, putting spells on people. Um, um, you were really messed up, <laughs> earthquake. Uh, so, so what happened when your mother dragged you off to church? <laughs> I was so tired. I was 13, but I was living the life of a of a 75 year old gangster. I was just that tired, and I went to church, and I sat there with with my with one of my brothers, and I heard this voice. It, it called my name, and I looked around, and I didn't see anybody, and. Uh, Call my name again. I told my brother, I said somebody's back there calling me, I, and and he said nobody back there. Then I looked under the the pews. I didn't see any legs or anything, so I I thought they were laying down on the seat play, playing games. So I went back there, looked, sure enough, nobody. I sat down again, and I heard it call my name again. And this time it says, "Come to the altar. I want to save you." And I said, "Come to the altar." It was such a loving voice. So I went and I got on my knees. And God started talking to him, and he showed me a vision of me traveling the world, helping people, people getting saved, delivered, and set free. And he said, I'm going to use you. You're going to do great works for me. Uh, what about your addictions to drugs? At that point, it didn't, it didn't matter. I guess one, I was tired. I was tired of drugs. I was tired of people dying in my arms with heroin, with needles in their arms. And I, I mean, in one particular case, one guy died. He would take all his clothes off and throw them in the bathtub, would put ice cubes in water, cold water, and beat him back to life. I was I pretty much got tired, Sid. And when this voice called me, I know it was God's voice, I said, I'll, I am so happy. I don't know what you want with me. I'm a mess. I'll do anything to hurt anybody, but if you take enough of me, I'll accept you. And I start crying out to God. And when I opened my eyes, the pastor was looking, and he told me, he said, God saved you today. He's going to use you around the world. You're going to be a bishop, and you're going to make an impact in the lives of so many. And I felt like I was floating out of that building. Uh, and when you got home, you were so grateful, you know, to much is forgiven. They loved much, and you were worshiping God, and you had an interesting spiritual experience. Yes, yes. Well, well, on the way home, a light shined so bright, it brighter than the sun, and it says, I've chosen you for a great ministry. It was brighter than the sun. And then it went back up into the sky. And then from there, I started telling people, I started telling everybody. I went to the gambling halls where the bookies were. I told them, and some of the people got saved. I went around some of the prostitutes that I used to protect. I went around some of the pimps. I went around everybody, and everybody said, man, there's something different about you. What happened? Well, what is that? It's something different. I mean, it was, it really, it really did make a great impact until... But, you know, you, were, you also told me that uh, in the spirit realm, when you were worshiping God, you heard a conversation between God and Jesus about you. Yeah, yeah, this was, this was later on after we left. We left Connecticut and we moved in. We moved to Wisconsin. This is when that happened. 
But around that time, Sid, oh, man, it did. It, both of it did happen. I, I went in to, to God gave me an experience, and I heard God speak about me exactly about that I was going to do a great work for him. He was going to use me mightily. I mean, I was up there with God like Apostle Paul. When he said, out of the body or in the body, I don't know, but I was caught up into, into paradise, into the third heaven. And that's exactly what happened to me. And there's one thing about when you get into that position, you don't want to come back. <laughs> I did not want to come back here. I wanted to stay there with God. But, you know, you had all these experiences with God. You had these uh, prophecies not from a man, but from God himself. Yeah. And these Beautiful women, all of a sudden, were very interested in you, very amazing, and you uh, backslid. How could that have happened with all those experiences? Yeah, I got tricked, Sid. I, I got tricked. Um, all these beautiful women start coming around that never paid me any attention before. Now, all of a sudden, here they come calling me, knocking on the door, coming by the house. It was like a harem would meet me outside of my house when I come out the front door. It was all a trick or setup by the enemy. And there was one particular girl that I was trying to date for years, and she never paid me any attention. All of a sudden, she was calling like crazy. And she said, well, I know you are uh, this Christian thing, but can you just come to the party with me? I said, no, I don't want to go to the party with you. You know, I'm trying to be a good guy now. And she kept stroking my ego and kept saying nice things to me. And I went to a one party, then to another party. Then they started offering me the drugs again. And before you know it, said. I was back out there. This time I was worse than I was at first. And that's what the Bible says. We're out of time right now, but Mishbucha, literally right off the press, we have his brand new book. It's got his life story, uh, which people should read to understand how the devil operates, how the drug culture operates, but his freedom. I mean, freedom to the point where since he understands the other side, he has the name. You, you describe the problem going on in your life from the demonic. He'll tell you the name of that demon and give you a lesson in deliverance. That, that demon will run in fear. We're making the book available for donation at $18, bound to lose, destined to win. Earthquake Kelly, I'm speaking to him by way of telephone to his home in Hollywood, California. And uh, Earthquake comes from generations of people that were voodoo priests. Uh, his uh, great-grandfather was a white man, slave owner in Haiti, uh, and his great-grandmother was one of the slaves, uh, but she was involved in deep, deep uh, voodoo, and it passed on from generation to generation uh, where where his father was uh, a high voodoo uh, priest in witch, witchcraft and uh, just, I mean, people, they would put curses on people and they'd have these dolls and they, they, they groomed him to be a top voodoo priest. Um, and, but there was a problem, and that is his mother was a born-again Christian. And she, I mean, uh, Earthquake, I can't believe what she went through uh, living with your father. I mean, when he would beat you with that belt buckle uh, to the point where doctors didn't think you would even live, uh, how could she put up with that? Oh, it was hard, Sid. It was hard because if she would try to stand up for me, he would beat her too. So she would just have to stand there and... and 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 just cry, watch. 
Okay, so at 13, though, she gets her heart's desire. You have an encounter with God. You you want nothing to do with the drugs. You want nothing to do with the voodoo. You are genuinely born again, praising God. And then some girls that had no interest in you whatsoever suddenly, coincidentally, are interested in you, and you get backslide, and you're worse, just as the Bible says, you're worse than before you began. Right. Uh, but uh, And so you, you go right back to your old ways. Uh, but at 15, I mean, you have lived life. At 15, the same voice you heard when you were uh, just four years of age that showed you step-by-step step how to get high speaks to you again, and it talks about getting super high. Explain. Right. My uh, brothers and I were, were uh, getting high, and uh, we were um, at this little party-like thing, and uh, I heard this voice again. He said, uh, you know how everybody likes to brag about how much drugs they took, right? right. I said, yeah. And um, this voice is asking me that question, and I said, sure. He said, but you want people to respect you in the streets to be a, be a man. I said, yeah. He said, I'm going to show you how to get really, really, really high. And uh, I said, I'm, okay, show me. Yeah, I want to be respected as a man can hold his, hold his dope. And like a, like a fool, I listened. And he said, take some cocaine, okay, which was no problem because we were, we were dealers plenty of cocaine around there. And he said, take some other, some marijuana, some weed. We did that, same thing, plenty of weed around. And he said, take some pills, which one of the strongest pills said it's so strong if you take one tab and cut it in half and cut that half in half, you will stay high for eight days off of the half of the half. And I took about two or three of them. And he said, now, drop all of it. And so I did. Dropped all of it. And uh, an overdose hit me. All of a sudden, I, I looked around where I was. I was sitting in this, in this place where we were having a little party, in this little bar-type place. And where I was, it got pitch black. And everybody else was light. And I knew I was in trouble. I was facing the window, looking out this window, and the sun's light was coming in. The sun rays was hitting me on the head at first. But the sun rays would come right to my forehead, would turn to the left, and go behind me. It wouldn't even touch me. And then all of a sudden, out of the floor comes all of these evil spirits. They grab me. They start tormenting me. And I start screaming and yelling, but nobody can hear me. The person serving the drinks in front of us, he couldn't hear me. And I knew I was going to the same place that those guys with the yellow light was in their face was going. And sure enough, they pulled me out of my body, Sid. And down through the earth I went, and they were tormenting me and tormenting me in ways that I can't even tell you all the things they were hitting me with and and they told me, say, you're a fool, you listened to us, you did our voodoo and our wet magic for us, and you sold our dopeys, and now you're lost forever. And while they was tormenting me down there, in the pits of hell, I mean hell, hell is real, in the pits of hell, our hands of light, hallelujah, came down to that horrible pit and grabbed me by my shoulders, Sid, and was pulling me out of the hands of those evil spirits, and they were screaming and yelling, he's mine, he's ours, he belongs to us. And I felt their nails and their teeth being loosened as the hands was pulling me, put me back in my body. I sat up, and then a voice said, the same voice that met me when I was 13 at that altar, it says, because of your mother's prayers, hallelujah, 
because of your mother's prayers and you are chosen, you were spared. But uh, back then, they didn't uh, know what to do with people that were into drugs and uh, they didn't have drug rehabs, so they put you into a mental ward. Right. Uh, but you were in pretty bad physical shape. You were right. paralyzed from the waist down. What else was wrong with you? Right. I, well, it's almost embarrassing. I was 15 years old and come from a hell experience. Now when I start coming to, I realize I'm in a mental ward of a hospital. And I'm hearing all this screaming and yelling. And I try to get up, and I realize I couldn't move my lower extremities. From my waist down, I was paralyzed, which was the only temporary, thank God. I w and I was wearing diapers, depends. I, I could not tell when I had to go to the bathroom, and I was had to have diaper change. And I'm 15 years old. I'm in a mental institution now. I'm wearing these diapers. It's so embarrassing. But thank God for my mother again. Said she came, and she had had enough of me being there. And she came and she got me out of the hospital and, and took me home. Uh, but you you had an experience in that hospital of uh, the angelic and the demonic. Explain. Well, while I was I was going through all of the things of, of trying to really figure out why I was paralyzed and what have you. I looked up in the ceiling of, of the room and I saw, and, well, first I was, I was trying to sleep. So I had my eyes closed and I thought I was dreaming. And I saw this little angel, which I found out is called a cherub, in my dream. And so, being a nasty person I was, a mean, criminal-minded person, I didn't respect anything or anybody except my mother. the only person I really cared about. And, I, and in this dream, I said, what are you doing, angel? You're at the, you're at the wrong location. You're at the wrong, you're at the, with the wrong guy. I'm a bad guy. I'm an evil person. I do magic and voodoo and put spells on people and people die. You're in the wrong dream. And I opened my eyes. The angel was in the room. I said, it wasn't a dream. He's really here. And the angel said to me, said, he said, I was sent from the throne to protect you because you were in hell. And there's a spirit in hell. He named the spirit that was in hell, but I don't remember his name right now. But for years, I haven't remembered that name. But he said, that spirit is coming to take you back to hell. But I was sent from the throne of God himself to protect you. And he said, don't fear. And the next thing I know, here steps in this big, ugly creature. And this creature says to me, I checked the annals of hell, the records in the books of hell, looking for you, and you were not there. And somehow you escaped. And now I'm here to take you back to hell. Oh, my God, said I was so horrified. I tried to find something to fight with. It was nothing to fight with. And I could hear the voice of that angel saying, don't fear. God sent me. He will not take you. Don't fear. And that thing tried to get to me, but it was a, a barrier between that creature and myself. And then that creature shook his head and said, you're protected. I can't get you. Turned around and left out of the room. And that really happened to me. And God is, ooh, thank you, Jesus. I get excited to see it. just thinking about that. I can imagine, mm. uh, because most people, they're not even sure there's a hell. Is there really a hell? Oh, there's a hell. This is sure as there's a God in heaven. There is a hell. This place is real. It's miserable. It's tormenting. It's, it's, it's lonely. You, you're, you, you even got all the thoughts that you had 
when you walked on this planet on the top side up here, you take all of those thoughts down there every time you heard the word and you and you refused to have it. Every time you know God was trying to get you to turn around, when he told you don't take that drink, don't get in the bed with that person, don't shoot that heroin, don't smoke, don't curse God, don't get in this false false religion. Yeah, all those different things will haunt you on top of the torment there in hell. Yes, it's real. Oh, gosh, it's real. Okay, so uh, after those experiences, you're ready now uh, to come all the way back with God. Your sister invites you to revival. What happened? Yes, one of my sisters went to a church, and she was so excited about God, and she says, you have to get saved. And I said, no, no, when I get out of this hospital and out of this condition I'm in, we have a truckload of cocaine coming, and we have to, to get this out, like a million dollars would be my cut. And she said, no, you will never get to that. How in the world could you even be thinking about that with the experiences you had? I know. <laughs> it's, it's terrible. I'm, I'm wearing diapers and still thinking about dealing cocaine. I know. My mind was set on destruction, still doing it, still doing it. And my sister stayed in my face, though, said, she said, no, you're going to church with me. Earthquake. Uh, the story you've been telling me all this week sounds like it, it was made for a Hollywood movie. You're living at least in the right place. I hope so. Oh, I, I'm sure it's going to be. Uh, in, anyway, Mish Bokham, uh, he, he comes from generations of witchcraft, voodoo priests. Uh, he, he's trained to be a top voodoo uh, priest. Uh, and uh, he he's into drugs. He's he's selling drugs. He, he he's he, he's into prostitution. He he's he's into putting curses on people, and people are, are 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 dying. He saw people die, and and he had an encounter with the Lord, but he was he backslid. I don't know how he could have done it, but he did, and it turned out just like the Bible says, even worse. And this demon told him how to get super high. But it was really a way of getting destroyed. He, he was just 15 years of age, um, and uh, he ended up in a mental ward. He's paralyzed. He's partially blind. His nerves are destroyed, and, and an angel comes in and then protects him from a demon that comes in. And his, But his mother was a born-again Christian and is praying for him. So he gets home, and uh, unbelievable you're doing another drug deal, but one of your sisters invites you to a revival meeting. What happened? Yeah, Sid, she, man, she was like, you going to church? And I said, no, I, I don't, I don't do the church thing. You know, that, she said, you're going to church. And she got so close in my face every day, like every 15 minutes she would be back. Oh, you're going to church. God wants to save you. And I said, no, I can't. I can't go to church. I got a deal. I got a big deal going on. I'm going to be back on my feet. I'm not going to be dragging on this floor. I'm going to be back up. As soon as I'm back on my feet, I got to run down. We got to finish this deal in Chicago. And uh, she said, no, you'll never see that deal. And so she stayed in my face. She said, okay, go to church with me tonight. Go to church with me tonight. And and uh, if you don't like it, you don't go back. I said, that's cool. That, that's a deal. So... I went to church with her. I said, sit me in the back. I said, wait a minute. First of all, you know I can't walk. So her and my other sister got under me, and then one got on the one arm, one got on the other, and they helped me into the car because my legs were like wet noodles. 
And uh, I sat there, and they put me in the back, and the preacher was preaching, and I mean, said he was preaching, you know, you know those good old Holy Ghost revival kind of preachers. Ah, God, <laughs> he was preaching, and after the service, I told my sister, I said, that was good, great, great show. I got to go back. She said, oh, no, you're going back tomorrow. I said, I'm not going back to church tomorrow. I told you, I gave you my word, because I had a thing about giving your word. We was growing up to if you give your word to keep it. And so she talked me to go on the next night. And I went, and the same thing. And the next night, then the pastor saw me sitting in the back, and he said, young man, you, back there in the back. And said, now, you know any church, especially a lot of the black churches, when you, you point to somebody, everybody turns around and looks, right? Right. So when everybody turns around and looks, I went along with the crowd. I turned around and looked, too, but it was nothing back there with me in the wall. So I said, oh, God, he's talking about me. Oh, man. Now, I can't, I can't walk. I got no control of my bowels. I didn't have on a diaper at that time. It, you know, and, I'm, and it's, I hear the same voice that tried to get me to, to die off some drugs. said, if you go up there, you're going you're gonna to have a, uh, your bowels are going to break loose right in front of all these strangers. Don't go up there. And, but I heard that another voice says, I love you. I want to do something with your life. I brought you to so much. And it was so strong and loving. It just was so compelling for me to get out of the seat. I stood up, said, on my feet, and miraculously was healed from that condition, from those drugs did, that caused me not to be able to nerve that. My optic nerve was burned. And I walked from the back of the church by myself all the way to the front. But it wasn't, it, it wasn't the end of it. There was also, my girlfriend was a factor at the time. She came to church forbidding me to get saved and saying, I can't leave her in the streets. And she said, if you get saved, you'll never be with me again. I'm listening to her. I'm listening to the, the enemy. But the Holy Spirit was talking to me. And I went down there to the pastor. And he started telling me everything I had been through, the drugs, the witchcraft all the seeing people killed and all those different things. And he said, God wants to use you, son. He wants to use you to do a great work for him. Then I saw a vision of me preaching around the world. And then the Holy Spirit was talking to me, Sid, and he said, accept me now, I'll restore you and use you, fill you with my spirit. And I felt like I had a dump truck of stuff on me. And I threw my hands up in the air in front of all those strangers. And, my, and the girlfriend was looking in from the outside and I said, Lord, if you want me, you know what kind of person I am. you got to make one deal. we got to make one deal between you and I. You have to use me more than the devil did. If you can do that for me, you got me forever. And Sid, he has been keeping me for 36 years. It's, and, and as far as I'm concerned, this book is such an on-time book that we're making available. It not only gives you insight into how the devil operates, operating with a lot of your children, but someone unsaved will read this book and literally have the devil scared out of them. Uh, you'll understand, and we'll talk about it next week, of his experiences in heaven, uh, where I'm not even going to give you some clues on that, but uh, I'd have to say the most... Uh, exciting part of the book is the last section, which is literally 
a handbook for deliverance, and it gives you the most explicit definitions and the actual names of spirits involved in whether you have a physical problem, emotional, financial, family, circumstantial, uh, and God wants his people informed so they're not victimized anymore. Uh, And God's given you quite a deliverance ministry. Uh, In addition to a deliverance ministry, I'm very impressed with uh, the ministry you have for uh, people that are on the streets. Tell me about that. Yes, my wife, Selena, and I, my lovely wife, I thank God for. And the main thing about that real quick is that, see, I used to be a, a, a guy in the streets, and my wife used to work with the Department of Defense. Now, how could, only God could put two people together like that. <laughs> <laughs> it, it, but you open your house to these street yeah. people, and uh, yeah. I, I, you're doing what you bargained with the Lord to do, and that is you wanted him to use you more That's than right. the devil used you. That's right. I, my wife and I, we've taken in over 50 people in a 20-year period to get on their feet. We've had them from Hollywood. We've had them from Watts. We've had them from uh, the entertainment industry, very well-known people who were dealing with situations that needed a a place to come in and and get restored. If I say their names, you would know them right off the I mean, you would know them right off the bat. I mean, we have been helpful for the skid row people, the down-and-outers to the up-and-outers. And I promise God, I promise him at that altar, if you save me and you really want me, I don't know what you can do with a person like me. But if you really have a need for me, I'm coming in whole hog. I'm giving you all from snout to, to tip to tail, all of it. And there's people that have come in. They've been delivered. Their families, they've they been delivered. Their children, and they're, they're going to college. And God has really used us. I mean, it, it, it's, it's taken a toll on us. One of my oldest children was, was shot and killed by some of the same people we were ministering to. And that was very hard. But we haven't stopped still helping people. And, and, and this book is going to help people so much because it's going to give people wisdom from you having been on the other side and now so many years serving God. You you have, it's literally a deliverance handbook and gives people wisdom on how to pray for others and to set them free. Uh, but you go one step further. You identify by name. If something is going on in their life, you can say the name of the demon and they can, and then you have the, you explain the authority and the power that we have in the name of Jesus. Uh, And uh, I'll tell you something. If there wasn't authority and power in the name of Jesus, you'd be in hell right now. Oh, I've been gone. I've been there 35, 36 years tormenting with those spirits that was having at me, Sid, like like vultures. It is so horrible. And I thank God that I had a mother who prayed, who defied the devil who prayed, even at the point of being smacked and blood coming out of her mouth and hitting her head and knocked to the ground, she refused to give up on me. And I thank God for my mother every day. I call her and tell her, thank you, Mom. And, you know, uh, I, I know your mom's a hero, uh, but the, the the way you can identify the names of these spirits. And uh, I, I believe when young people read your book, they will run from the devil. And people deep involved in the uh, in demonic stuff will want nothing to do with it. But it's a victory book. That's what makes it so unusual. Available for a donation of $18, bound to lose, destined to win.